Hello and welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast with Sam and Dan. Uh, I am Dan Martin, a special effects artist and film in- what- watcher enthusiast. Hmm. And I am joined, as ever, by my lovely co-host. Sam Ashurst, and I'm a screenwriter, a director. I write about films for a bunch of different places. I occasionally interview people. And I'm a podcast man uh, for this very podcast this that you're listening literal podcast. to right now. And we, this week, are doing Death Walks on High Heels, as you'll probably know from the podcast title. Dan chose this film. Dan. Yeah. Why did you choose this film? I love it. Okay. I love t- this film. Tell me. Um, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Giallo in general. This isn't one of the the more famous ones, although I think it's relatively well celebrated. It's got a 6.5 on IMDb. It's well respected. Um, Arrow did a lovely box set of it. I have another American box set um, of them. Um, before that, I had DVDs of them separately. Yeah, I just really like them. They're, it's, a, it's a nice, uh, twisty-turny film. It's it, you can kind of see what it um, what it was inspired by. There's a lovely interview with a writer on mm. the disc where he talks at length about well, he basically just rubbishes other films or things he was involved with that uh. then went in directions he didn't like, uh, which I found very enjoyable. But he 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 says there are, there are a lot of tricks you can do when writing. Everyone has a trick. My trick is to take things that already exist, make it look like they're new ideas. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which I love. So, um, yeah, I, I've also watched that extra. Ernesto and I, Gastaldi? I, yeah, yeah, I found it very um, interesting too. Yeah, I found it a tiny bit mean-spirited. Um, I didn't like the extent that he sort of slagged off other... Um, like, the, the bit where he basically rubbishes the bird with the crystal plumage. He doesn't and, rubbish and it at all. He, he does. does. He, he, talks, he talks about really liking it. He says no, he, he doesn't, doesn't think it counts as a thriller... Or is a because it's more about atmosphere than mystery, but he doesn't. Right off the bat, he says one of the first rules when you're writing a thriller is that you know don't trick the audience and you know don't have sort of narrative cop outs. Yeah. And he says, unlike um, he basically says he literally says don't be Dario Argento with Bird in the Crystal Plumage. So he he is but definitely you know, criticizing him. He's. I think he's questioning whether it counts, and, and obviously he's he's not on the right side of history with this one. No. But I don't think he's saying he doesn't like the film. I think he's saying it doesn't follow what he considers to be the rules of a thriller. Right. He he thinks it's it's more about like he he says he thinks Argento is more uh, is more worried about scares, whereas he thinks the thriller is about logical mystery, and he thinks that Burn with the Crystal Plumage fall fails on that count because Argento is more concerned with beauty and atmosphere and emotional terror and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so I don't I, think he's saying it's bad. I think he's he's repositioning it within a genre. He's wrong. He's definitely wrong. Well, dear listener, you should watch the uh it, it's a it's a, a solid extra um I just found fault with with the Argento bashing, um, which Dan doesn't seem to think is Argento bashing, but I would suggest you watch it and make up your own mind. But even then, like uh, it reminded me of the uh, the Pulse extra with the um, yeah, no, I know the, the one you, you mean. know what I mean. Anyway, where he's uh, he, it's just a very frank uh, insight from from that guy, and and I don't agree with everything that uh, Gastaldi says, but I like hearing it. Yeah, I mean, exactly. It is very frank and, um, you know, I I just think, yeah, maybe because 
I like the film itself more. Um, I like Pulse infinitely more than I like this film. Um, so I think maybe I was kind of more on his side than than is the no, case fair here. Enough. Which isn't, you know, it's not to say that I, I, I dislike Castaldi. In fact, one of my recommendations is a, a film written by him. You know, I think he is an amazing writer uh, in in at certain points. And it is funny hearing him slag off half the people he's worked <laughs> yeah, with. it's amazing. Um, it is... Him rubbishing... De- he's, he's basically complaining about the end of Once Upon a Time in America <laughs> yeah. and blaming it on De Niro because De Niro didn't want his character to die. And he's like, I mean, I don't have any proof of this, but the editor told me. <laughs> <laughs> and this is it. As a, as a De Niro fan, well, certainly in the first half of his career, I take offence to that as well. Yeah. Um, but... Yes, uh, we should move on to the film itself. So um, why do you, you love this one so much, Dan? I... It's got a good, not just good, great soundtrack. I will give it that. It's got an amazing soundtrack. I mean, that's, to be honest, I think that's as important for a great giallo as almost anything narrative. Like, the, all of the good ones have amazing soundtracks. I, I really like it. It is country hopping. It's largely set in England. I love European films from this era that are set in England. Their, mm. their impression of what England is like is absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Um, it's got a great... I, I think the, the, the twist is fantastic, but it works within the structure of the film. I, I mean, how, how spoiler are we getting? We're, we're, now that we're announcing the films, I figure we can kind of talk about it. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe um, nothing in the third act. Yeah, nothing in the third act. Definitely not. Because, you know, I, uh, even though I didn't like this film, I really hate it when people um, don't like films and then they think it's fine to spoil it for everyone else. Well, yeah, no, I don't think we'd be doing that. But it's about whether or not we think that people are watching... Okay, so for now, it's no spoilers. The, the more we will ones. flag up spoilers if we yeah. get close to them, but we won't yeah. talk about the actual ending. Yes, there is a there's a mid act, there's a midpoint twist. Yeah, um, which is quite a big change of direction for the film. Yeah, which uh, is definitely a reason I like it so much. Uh, it's a reason I don't like it. Really? Yeah. See, so what's interesting is that he's there's a very famous film that has a very similar twist, although that very famous film does it at the end of the first act. Yeah. Those of you who've seen it will know exactly what black and white thriller I'm talking about, horror thriller, I'm talking about. And he's like having heard um, Gastaldi talk about. Just take something that exists. Make it yours. Just steal it. Uh, there's a lot of bits where you can go, oh, okay, oh, that's from you know this film, that's from that film. I think that, that twist is he's obviously... I, I think that twist works as a first act twist. It's really annoying to have it as your midpoint twist when you've invested in that character and you've also been led to believe that this is an example of something within the genre that's quite exciting. Um, and as it turns out, not really. I'm no, gonna, I need I'm to. Gonna, I need. Ex, I need expansion on that now. I need. What, what, what do you? What was it an example of? I'm going to quibble with you on the six point five on IMDb, by the way, because that's from nine hundred and eighty four reviews. That's all right. So that's fine. Not. That's not a great sort of catchment area, but. You know, it's 50-50 in this room in terms of this film, so um, I, I hope that Arrow don't mind the fact that I didn't like it no, it's to right. this I extent. Think that's <laughs> legit. But, but now's, you know, a good, now's a good time to bring up a lovely shout-out we got, I think. Yes, yeah, yeah. The, um, one of the Criterion review casts. Yeah, so it's literally the Criterion cast, and, and this is the podcast I've been a fan of for a, a, a long yeah, time. Yeah, it's very good. Um, before I was a podcaster myself. So um, to hear them discuss us was very thrilling. Yeah, gratifying. Um, thank you very much. And yeah, wh- one of the things that they did say was that, 
you know, um, well, Dan, you, you, you say it. They, yeah, they, they, were, they expressed their surprise that we were an official podcast uh, because of our rank amateurism. No, because, <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, because we're not, you know, we're not only talking about films we both love. They're quite honest uh, descriptions of the movies themselves. Well, this is it. I can only ever be honest. And, you know, Dan very specifically wanted to do this film. So um, I do feel like I, I, I shouldn't, you know, let me choose films. I shouldn't let you choose films. <laughs> no, I do feel like maybe, you know, people listening to this podcast won't necessarily want to hear this film being bashed. I think they'll want to hear it being celebrated. So what I will express, you know, my reservations, I think that we should hear a bit more from you, Dan. So, um, Do you not like the fact that the close-ups of the killer's eyes and, oh boy, if you like close-ups of eyes, is this a movie <laughs> for you? Because it is, look, not just the killer, everyone's eyes, all the way, the constant eye close-ups. Um, but do you not think that when the killer's wearing his balaclava and his blue contact lenses, it looks like maybe these people are being killed by Daniel Craig? <laughs> um, that's Weirdly, that's something that um, that's pointed out in the commentary as well. Um, oh, I didn't actually listen to the commentary. Yeah, so they talk about Daniel Craig. They do, yeah. <laughs> so Tim Tim Lucas agrees with <laughs> Amazing. you. Amazing. Thanks, Tim. Um, but yeah, um, I, you know, I, I had high hopes for, for this at the start. It's got a very cool opening, great music. Um, and a really cool like title sting, like freeze frame onto those eyes. And oh, um, did you watch the English titles or the Italian titles? Uh, Italian. See, because I've seen it so many times, but I've never seen the English version. Right. So when I was rewatching it, uh, I took it as an opportunity to watch the the version I'd not seen before. Now the, I, the bulk of the film's identical. Tim um, doesn't recommend you do that um, because he points out that there's a couple of scenes, a couple of performance stuff. Um, that's completely changed by the um, by the dialogue by by the dialogue um, and what is a great performance in the Italian version. Yeah, it's, is a bit it's it was it was interesting watching the English dub of it. I say the English dub, the English loop of it, because it plays much less. It's it's not as dark in the English version. Like it comes off as more frivolous and silly. Yeah. And there are it's actually quite a, like a grimy, like. Horror, horror thriller. Yeah. Um, in the Italian version, and that's always been my attraction to it. So mm -hmm. rewatching it with the English version, it's much. It, it's definitely sillier. Yeah, and um, yeah, I watched the Italian version, and so yeah, I was with it, and then, and then we had the blackface. Yeah, I mean that's really early on. Yes, it is, and I was like, why, Dan? Why? 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 why Question I... mark. Why? I'm not. I'm not excusing that as a choice. Obviously, yeah. it's brutally wrong. Yes. Um, but like, I kind of feel that that's what you're getting into bed with when you're watching seventies exploitation cinema. I don't agree at all. There's um, so much of that across the genre, no, and I'm not. I'm though. not saying you champion it. It's the same as the conversation about like Diodato and the animals in Holocaust. It yeah. doesn't stop Holocaust from being a great film, and Holocaust is a better film than Death Walks in High Heels, but. Um, it just because they made some terrible choices in as part of that era doesn't stop the film from being a good film. I personally could have done without any of the dancing scenes, regardless of black up. I mean, the black up is additionally problematic, but like it's like sex scenes. They stop the narrative stops. Well, yeah, no, I mean, for me, I I feel like this is I I, I kind of uh, it annoys me when. Not you, Dan, sorry, but That's right. um, when people do say, oh, well, 70s exploitation's full of this kind of stuff, it really isn't. Um, there are examples of, of this kind of offensive stuff, um, offensive to me, um, but 
I manage to cruise through a hell of a lot of films before I encounter anything like this. And so when I do see it, and when it is something that has... Not that even a narrative justification would make it okay for me personally, but with no narrative justification whatsoever, you know, um, it, it annoys me. And so, you know, your example with the um, uh, uh, Cannibal Holocaust, yeah. um, I really like your argument for that, um, where you say, well, they did it, so... Yeah, taking it, it out doesn't undo it. Exactly. Um, and, you know, again, as as horrific and as misled as he was, at least, at least he was trying something that made sense within the narrative. There. Yeah, I know, I see your argument. Whereas here, I was just like, ugh. Um, and so it lost me a bit there. Yeah. Um, well, quite a lot morally there. But I'm like, okay, there must be a reason we're watching this. <laughs> Stick with it. And then, yeah, I just, you know, personally... You know, there are some cool sequences. Like I say, the music is incredible. But I just found it overall quite boring. Really? Um, yeah, it, it lost me again um, for a very different reason at, at the midpoint um, where I'm sort of expected to, you know, change my... Point of focus. Point of focus. Um, and I just, I found it a little bit of a chore, to be honest. I, lo I love those cops. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there is a kind of, from that point on, actually, yeah, very much so, um, with the, the guy with the one hand, it, it turns into a very Edgar Wallacey. Yeah, um, it has a sort of creamy edge to it. It does, it really does. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, man, I've, I've just sat here slagging off for the past 10 minutes, it's so, the, so uh, you step in and make the, the case. It's the dust till dawn of Giallo's. <laughs> <laughs> I love From Dusk Till Dawn. Yeah, I love this. <laughs> I also love Dusk Till Dawn. Yeah, I don't know. I just... Everything about it. I think it was... Partly it's how I came to it, which was just that I knew nothing and I was digging through giallos that sure. weren't as known. And this was a um, first-time watch for me yeah. for this podcast. Yeah, so, no, that's absolutely know. fine. Like, yeah. I think I think the thing is that I've watched so many terrible giallos. Because yes, there are <laughs> so many just awful giallos. Yeah, and yeah. then there are other giallos where, you know, like the only redeeming feature is the soundtrack or the cinematography and the storyline's terrible. Uh, and particularly, well, as um, Castaldi's talking about, like, you know, just tr trickery, cheap trickery, mm. where, uh, again, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but um, uh, Black Belly of the Scorpion, mm -hmm. uh, tar Tarantula, Black Belly of the Tarantula, mm. Like at the end, that's another one that revolves around contact lenses, actually. <laughs> uh, and they're like, oh, the killer's right-handed and has excellent eyesight. <laughs> and they're like, oh, the killer was left-handed and <laughs> was pretending to be a blind man with contact <laughs> lenses. Here are some contact lenses. What about motive? Let's walk up and down this corridor for 20 minutes while I explain <laughs> to you how he's mental. Yeah. Yeah, like that's a beautiful film and it's got an amazing soundtrack and a great cast and it's wonderfully shot and some amazing style choices. But like as an actual thriller, it's not... Not amazing. Mm. Whereas with this, I th I do think it's a really solid thriller. I really like the twists and turns. I the 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 thing at the midpoint that frustrated you. I can definitely see how because it shifts gear so heavily. Yeah, that can be quite jarring. Mm. Um, and if you weren't already fully on board, that can be something to tip you off. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. I I like it because it's something I I never saw coming when mm -hmm. I watched it and I I absolutely relish That's fair enough, a moment yeah. in a film that completely blindsides me like that. Yeah, I get And that. I think that that's exactly the same response that I had the first time I watched the film 
the old black and white horror thriller that it's so obviously borrowing mm. from. Um, so yeah, obviously that happens earlier in the other movie. But um, yeah, I just, I, I really like it. I think the, the I, I love the Italian uh, depiction of, of the British countryside <laughs> <laughs> and, and the British people in general. Yeah. I the, thought um, in the pub it was relatively realistic. They, <laughs> like the, <laughs> they, they, when they slaughtered lamb and when they yeah, come in and, yeah. all just, and that barmaid's got the perfectly applied Italian woman eye makeup. Yeah. <laughs> like basically an Edwidge Fenich clone behind the bar. Yeah, there's a, there's a fantastic bit where... Um, a character in a in a fit of rage is strangling a woman in her uh, like not not a not a murder strangle mm. like a, a casual assault mm-hmm. <laughs> strangle uh, and uh, a cop comes in and basically just goes oh no let's not have any of that then <laughs> like instead of being like what the what the fuck are you doing get off her he's very very calm and British about it yeah yeah I mean yeah I I I can kind of see where you're coming from and. Um... Yeah, man, it's just it's left a bit of a sour taste. You in don't my mouth, don't like the scene where they're sexually eating lots of fish. <laughs> Actually, that is one of my you know one of my favourite scenes. I, oh, I love the I love the guy, the fish cart guy. Yeah, fish cart guy's great. He's great. Uh, I he's a the thing is they've done and I oh, without talking about the end it's really hard but they they do a really good job of seeding all of the things that you need to know about for the ending to work. And I, I really like the the placement of all those things. Come on. No, what? Right. Uh, uh, okay. Spoiler alert. We're <laughs> gonna do a little spoilery. Yeah. Okay. Massive, massive, massive spoiler alert. Skip forward a few minutes, um, or you know, five minutes or whatever, depending on how ranty I get. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, do you say spoiler every fifteen seconds so that they yeah. know that they've come back in and we're still talking about okay, it? Okay, we can go into it now. So skip forward. Right. It. It. It's the the turn is based on a, a, a tiny coincidence, don't you think? Uh, I mean, it's not completely. Uh, Character motivated. No. <laughs> Not hundred percent. No. hundred percent. Um I I don't know. I, I I think it's I think it's really tight. I think it's not I mean, the thing is, we're obviously talking outside of the realm of the of the really big greats. Yeah, like it's not one of the heavy hitters. No. But as second tier go, I think it's pretty pretty close to the top. Right, okay. Like I'm not saying, oh, this is better than Deep Red. What I am saying. Oh is, no, no, no! I don't think you are. We've all seen Deep Red. Yeah, <laughs> we've all seen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. In our group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this is a really good example of more, more giallo. Yes, uh, I would hate for this to be someone's first giallo. I, I kind of think it wouldn't be though. Like it's not. It's not really a stumble upon film. I mean, obviously, it's more accessible now than it used to be. Yeah, and it's got a cool title, and it's got the sort of. Um, Hitchcock influence that you know people might be like oh okay um, and a great poster great cover yeah several great posters loads of great posters and yeah I've got the Dan may have just seen I've got the reversible yeah you've turned the sleeve over turned which the I sleeve like over. I um, have that I, I have generally a... always do that I've done that on Hellraiser as well um, I've got the Dua Fogli of, uh, of that poster that mm. cover that you've got there and then the variant which is like the Mybridge lady screen falling we've got the Quattro Fogli up in the living room that mm. giant like six and a half mm. tall poster it's amazing. Were you not pleasantly uh, surprised by the scene, and it either undoes some of the good work later, just after the just after the awful problematic blackout dance, the uh, our to be main character to be, um, or you know 
one of two main characters to be, uh, goes up to um, Neves. The stripper is approached by this guy, and he's like, "Hey, I really, I, I really enjoyed your dancing. I find you very attractive. Maybe I could take you out sometime." And she's like, oh, "I, I, you, know, you can watch me up on stage, but I'm, uh, I'm not like that in real life. I'm not interested in, uh, in anything like that." And he goes, "All right, thanks very much," and shakes her hand and leaves. And <laughs> I was watching this with Jen, who has watched it before, but again, she, we watched the Italian version before, and this is the the English version. Uh, and she was like, "Wow." That's like a lesson on how to respond to <laughs> being rebuffed. I mean, later on he turns up and is a little bit more pressured, and then later on, still she uh, she panics and decides to see him as a, a meal ticket out of the country. But, um, yeah, but in I'm, that I'm, but in that moment, like deprived of the rest of the context, that's an amazing moment. I'm, I'm surprised. Yeah, I'm surprised Jen had that reaction considering what happens later. But um, not for me. No, no fair enough. Um, in in terms of like. Yeah, I, I think that I was potentially still reeling from not just the the blackface dance, but the scene slightly, you know, the scene after it where she's taking off the wig and the makeup and that exchange. And he's helping her take oh, the makeup Jesus off. Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> I, I was sitting there going, her, her boyfriend. Dan, everything you know about me of Arrow's vast and magnificent archive why would you pick this from the shelf and make me watch it that's what i was thinking at that moment it's interesting i, I think that those it's one of those films where the bits that i love about it stick in my mind a lot more than the bits that are yes, like when i enough. Yeah, when, yeah. as we got back into the as, as it started up and we got into that strip club scene where she's mm. in black up yeah yeah my I c- I'd completely forgotten that bit was there. Right. And right, I was right. like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and I'm, I'll be I'll be honest. I yeah. didn't think, oh, no, Sam's not going to like this. Right. Not that I thought you would like it. But but more that I'd, com- I'd forgotten about it and I'd forgotten Jen had watched it with me. And I'm like, oh, I've accidentally made Jen watch this. <laughs> yeah. How do you mean? I don't know what you well, mean. Well, but like, it. I... I, I if, my, so she'd my, seen it before. She'd seen so it before, but I'd forgotten feel... she'd seen it before. Oh. Uh, so, so that scene reminded you that... Oh, okay. So uh, but that scene didn't remind me she'd watched it before. Right. I'd just forgotten about that bit. And then when that bit came on, I still didn't remember that Jen had seen it. Right. But I was oh, like, oh, okay. fuck. Oh. And I then see. had I been casting my concerns wider, I would have also thought, oh, Sam's not going to like this. I mean, I don't like it. It's problematic. It's a, it's a, it's a difficult bit. But then I'm a completist, and I think that that stuff should be left in. So... Right. Yeah, it's I don't know, it's hard. But it's great. <laughs> the film's great. Not that okay. bit. That bit's not great. The rest <laughs> of the film's great. They they eat fish in a sexy way like a pair of fucking lunatics. Uh, well, now we've talked you through, I do more understand um especially the the midpoint turn where of course, of course you'd like that when you first saw it because it would have been something very new and very unpredictable yeah. and, and all the rest of it. Um so yes, uh it is, uh, I can't recommend it personally, but um, right. Dan's going to now. Have you seen the other one? Uh, no. <laughs> Surprisingly, I, no, didn't, no, yeah. I didn't go on to the, the one after it. Um, give, but I'll give it a go. Give it a go one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah have, have a, a look. I, it's fun. It's fun. So, right, so what are we going to do? Recommend other things based on it? Yes. Right, so there's a sort of third one. Right. After, after the first two, after uh, Death Walks at Midnight and Death Walks on Our Heels, I was in Amsterdam with our regular mention friend, Tony Clark, and, uh, and I found a German DVD of uh, a film called Death Carries a Cane, although it was under the title um, Night of the Rolling Heads, Nacht der Rollenkopf, and it, was, um, it stars Neves Navarro again, in the lead, and it's obviously been titled to to be reminiscent of the the Death Walks in High Heels, Death Walks um, at Midnight movies, 
Uh, it was called it was called something else in the state. Tormenta, I think it was called in America. It's another interesting little second second rate giallo. It's uh, it again like a lot of them. It uh, deals with a vision impaired uh, individual who then has to you know sort of scale the world of uh, of these murders bereft of a sense. It uh, like a lot of these you know these these thrillers. I, they, they've there was a huge wave of them because they were popular. They were successful, so they're just making more and more and more. And to get that kind of fast, that that quick fire production, they were all borrowing from each other and borrowing from Hitchcock and borrowing from Edgar Wallace and like you know taking all these these things. Mm. And this is another one like um, Cat and Nine Tales, which has elements of um, a rear window. Okay. Uh, and obviously the the cane carrying uh, denotes a blind character as well. Um, it's a um, yeah, it's an interesting film. I I don't. <laughs> Sam's never going to watch it. I don't think it's as good as. Death <laughs> 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 walks on high heels. <laughs> but it's yeah, I, I, it's really fun. It's from 1973. Um, uh, not directed by the same guy. It's directed by uh, Maurizio uh, Prado. Prado. P r a d e d a u x d e a u x. And. It's not available in England. <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> I think it might be available in the States. I will do everything I can to find it. <laughs> yeah, hunt it down now. <laughs> Stop the podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, yeah, I think it's fun. And it, as, cool. Again, if you're also a completist, it's worth seeing as a sort of... It is It is to the first two what Ilsa the Wicked Warden is to the trilogy. <laughs> Blimey. Right. Um, my first recommendation based on this film is Return from the Ashes from 1965. Um, that has a, a seven rating on IMDb, but only from five hundred and twenty-eight reactions. So I'm sort of <laughs> yeah. yeah. After you shatter my <laughs> thousand, <laughs> exactly, <earlier>. yeah, <laughs> exactly. So um, the reason I recommended this, it's a, a another thriller, um, another kind of um, it's a, a UK American co-production, but it's a, a European thriller um, that, that's that's uh, set in Paris. Um, and obviously Death Walks on High Heels opens in Paris. And it's about um, a, a, a gigolo who marries a, a rich Jewish doctor. Um, and, uh, yeah, he basically she is uh, taken away by the Nazis. Um, he thinks that she's passed, um, but um, she returns and it turns into a very kind of tense Hitchcockian thriller. Now, the film's been remade. Um, it, it, it was a German film called Phoenix um, from a few years ago, um, which is a, a very kind of different take on the same source material. Um, there's sort of there's definitely elements that they share, but they're both very, very different films. Um, so you definitely can watch both. Um, but I would recommend you start with Return from the Ashes. Um, very twisty. Uh, lovely performances. Um, Maximilian Schell plays the the potentially um, not great husband, um, <laughs> and you know uh, anyone who knows his work knows what a marvelous actor he is. So yeah, Return from the Ashes. Dear God, please watch that over this. <laughs> <laughs> what a, what an outro to your recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> Things I like more than this. Anything. Stubbing my toe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my next one is another Euro horror or Euro genre nice. film uh, set in England. It's my favourite of them. 
I'm pretty oh, sure you know what I it is. I know exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's Jorge Grau's 1974 offering The Living Dead at Manchester Morgue, uh, released in Italy under the name Let Sleeping Corpses Lie. Nice. Um, it's oh, it's a wonderful, wonderful movie. It's up there as definitely one of my three favourite zombie films of all time, I think. It's definitely my favourite justification for the presence of zombies. It's uh, it's a fear of the future uh, zombie pres- zombie. Uh, catalyst. Um, I won't say what it is if you haven't seen it. Uh, I think it's on Arrow, isn't it? Arrow put that out in the UK. Uh, I'm, not sure actually. I'm pretty I, sure it is. Okay. Uh, it's another one with amazing so. posters. I'm sure. Okay. I'm sure it is. Let's sure. look it up. Yeah. Look it up. You look it up while I rattle on about it for yes. a little bit. Yeah, it's uh, it stars uh, podcast favourite Ray Lovelock. Um, uh, everything's going wrong in the British countryside with the dead coming back to life, either in the morgue a la uh, Return of the Living Dead Part 1 or uh, coming out of the ground uh, in a more traditional zombie way. And it's it's fantastic. Lots of uh, hooning about on motorbikes and leather hats and sunglasses. Um, lots of unsympathetic policemen being cross at the, the hip young things who seem to be one step ahead of him in the uh, in what's going down. Are you shaking your head at me, Sam? Has it not been released by Arrow? No. Who released it in the UK then? Who's got the who's got the UK version? I don't know. I've got I've still got the Anchor Bay DVD of it, mm. uh, which has got some good extras on it. Future I'd release, like maybe. A, like a Blu-ray upgrade on yeah. that. It must be out. Um, if it's not, there you go. Arrow, please. Living Dead at Manchester Morgue. It's fantastic. Grau's a Grau's an interesting guy, Spanish director. Um, did some did a pretty varied output. Um, throughout his career talking about uh, being challenged by movies um, his film Code of Hunting which I it took me years to track down I think I've talked about this on the podcast before as well actually I don't Code know of if Hunting you have. is a very difficult watch it's a nasty film right um, it's a great film it's uh, it's basically a straw dogs rip off right um, but god damn it's challenging it's really good it's really good but it's horrible but it's good <laughs> but that's not my recommendation for this week. Living Dead in Manchester Morgan's, and that's more fun. Although it's still horrible. It was on Nasty's list. That was one of my first ones. Yeah. Right, I'm just doing. I've, I've got into a weird staccato rhythm. Sam, you take over. What's your next recommendation? My next recommendation is <laughs> <laughs> All the Colours of the Dark from 1972. That was um, almost one of mine. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, same writer, obviously, um, but you know, um, much more Argento-y yes. in terms of its atmosphere and in terms of you know, the weird sort of dream logic of the piece, um, directed by Sergio Martino, who's one of yeah. my favourites. And yeah, it's basically about um, a, a woman who, who's had a car accident and believes that she's being pursued by devil worshippers, basically. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, and yeah, it's kind of got a bit of a Rosemary's Baby vibe to it. Um, it's, it's set in London um, and it's kind of... Uh, especially for us who live in London, um, it's kind of a cool like time travel movie. Yeah, like, you know she goes on the underground and yeah. Anyway, the architecture is really nice in it as well. Beautiful architecture and yeah, um, you know again great performances, really fun film and no black up. Oh well, look if that's going to be your criterion. <laughs> so then what we what have we even got left to watch? <laughs> Loads, as it turns out. <laughs> Loads. Um, so yeah, anyway, no. oh, yes. yeah. sorry, yeah. I, I couldn't help myself. No, it's fine. it's fine. I couldn't help myself. Right. There's so, also no black up in Living Dead in Manchester Morgue, Sam, you'll be happy to know. What a relief. So, um, I, and I sincerely mean that. That sounded quite um, dismissive, what a relief. But <laughs> I really do hope that, you know, for the rest of our, our lifetime on this podcast, I never, I never encounter that again. Anyway, I still love you, Dan. 
What have you watched over the past feel, couple of weeks? I feel sad. Don't feel sad. Um, and, got... and, and also, can I make it clear to any um, any listeners who don't sort of realise this? Uh, me and Dan are very good friends, yeah. and I am. I wouldn't be friends with him if I thought he was okay with that. <laughs> um, well, so, yeah, obviously it's 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 awful. Yeah, uh, it's an and, awful and, and you've made that you've made that clear. And I'm you know sorry for banging no, you no, about it's it. Right, it's fine. And I don't blame you for it. So. Recommendations based on the past couple of weeks. Uh, the jazz singer. <laughs> <laughs> no, obviously not. Sorry, <laughs> I couldn't resist. Uh, after your rather sweet apology, there. Um, no, it's a 2004 uh, film uh, from director, and I'm going to butcher his surname, so I apologise in, uh, in advance. Uh, from director Wissit uh, Sasanatieng, Sasanatieng, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. who did Tears of the Black Tiger, um, which I love. Um, this is his follow-up film. Uh, it's called Citizen Dog. It is... Uh, there'll be actually a little theme between the two uh, for this podcast, my recommendations. Um, it feels very much like a um, uh, sort of... Uh, what is it? Uh, like Jean-Pierre Genet e kind of light, whimsy, uh, very, very brightly coloured. If you've seen Tears of the Black Tiger, you'll know like how how like lurid his films can be uh this is even more so less nighttime and uh, less westerny and more wistful and romantic but it's got just it's jam packed with these incredible uh little ideas that that pepper the environment whether it's uh, pod uh is a um, the pod is the name of the lead character mm. um and he's essentially uh he's moved to the big city to bangkok uh, to to improve his life, but he doesn't really know what he wants to do. He feels very directionless, and he's very jealous of the fact that everyone around him seems to have uh, aspirations. They they want to become something. He feels very incomplete because he doesn't have uh, anything that he wants to do. But the uh, but like the film is peppered with these little ideas. Like I said, uh, so for example, he loses a finger at work. He works in a canning factory, and. Um, uh, and he's looking for the finger, and the finger is tapping on the inside of the can, like, all the time. So he's going around listening to cans of uh, sardines, trying to hear his finger. He's visited by his grandmother, who's his who's his catalyst for self-improvement, who is uh, a series of things, including, my favourite, a, a gecko uh, with a human face who runs around his apartment. Um, there's a weird backstory about a sort of, like a sort of proto-Ted narrative with a... Um, uh, anthropomorphized teddy bear uh, who when he's lost by the little girl that, that owns him he sort of like takes to the road and steals a taxi <laughs> like it's it's absolutely it's beyond charming yeah it sounds um, delightful and uh, yeah just well worth uh, tracking down again not sure if it's available in the UK <laughs> I think great. it is it's, it, it feels very much third windowy. like if someone's right. put it out it's probably going to be third window cool um, uh, if they haven't and won't then Arrow should get it but uh, it's, a, it's a good fit for them yeah sounds really lovely um, my first recommendation is uh, an 80s trashy movie called Killer Party from yeah. 1986 now I once showed this to Dan and Mike um, again, long before Mike from Arrow, who we've mentioned before, but I've just realised I just casually chucked out his name without. Oh, mate, Mike. Oh, mate, Mike, who um, does amazing work for Arrow, and uh, I 
played this film to to Dan and Mike in the hope that <laughs> Arrow would release it, but unfortunately, um, they didn't necessarily enjoy it as much as I did. But um, just kind of going off the Blood Rage podcast, um, where Ewan was saying, you know, if anyone out there has any eighties films, lost eighties films that they'd like to see Arrow release, I would still like to see Killer Party be released. It is uh, a very talking about sort of unpredictable stuff. Um, it starts one way and then it turns into another thing then it turns into another thing <laughs> and then it's another thing for quite a long time and then it becomes something completely different at the end and it's kind of the opening and the ending that, that makes this film so special for me um, the ending is fucking amazing I love it so much and you know, I'll never forget the first experience I had watching it um, if you haven't seen Killer Party and you like 80s trash um, you know, it, it's out there on DVD. No one's picked it up for a Blu-ray yet. But, you know, if Arrow don't, 88 films will. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> this is going to be the most controversial <laughs> podcast we've ever done. Um, but, <laughs> but anyway, uh, what's next from you, <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Oh, so my next one. So we've gone, uh, we've gone from uh, a sort of uh, Asian Jean-Pierre Genet uh, now we're going to go to uh, Eastern European Jean-Pierre Genet nice. um, with Black Cat, White Cat by Amir Kusturica from 1998. It's like if uh, if Citizen Dog is the sort of polished, beautiful, like shiny, bright, vibrant Asian version of Amelie, then Black Cat, White Cat is the... I, oh, I don't even know. It, it's like the sort of five pounds run and gun guerrilla filmmaking version of uh, of a Genet movie. It's got an amazing soundtrack by the No Smoking Orchestra, who uh, Kusturica then sort of imposed himself upon and now tours with. It's uh, it's a, a, a marriage farce, an organised marriage farce. It's absolutely beautiful. It's um, it's about small time criminals and petty schemes. Uh, it's got inventive machinery and hilarious clown style cars. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, I don't really know how else to recommend re- recommend it. I don't really know. <laughs> I don't, don't really know how else to recommend it. It's um, it's a delight from start to finish. Uh, I saw it. Um, I guess about two thousand. I think it's on DVD in the UK. Um, again, I don't think it has a Blu Ray yet. So so much much of Kusturica deserves to be on Blu-ray. Mm. Time of Gypsies. There's yeah, there's so many, so many. It's great. But yeah, start with Black Cat, White Cat. That's the first one I saw. Awesome. Ah, I love that. Um, great recommendation. So, my final recommendation for this week is a film from 1979 called Dead Mountaineers Hotel, um, which is ostensibly about it's kind of a murder mystery it starts out as a murder mystery with uh, a policeman going to um like this sort of uh hotel in the middle of nowhere in, in the alps um sort of very isolated and then an avalanche cuts him off um and he's sort of stuck in this this hotel with a bunch of weirdos and we you know eventually find out why they're weirdos and it's uh one of the most bonkers batshit endings uh you'll see this side of killer party i've gone for weird endings <laughs> this week um not necessarily uh, a masterpiece i've been recommending a lot of masterpieces recently and the two that i'm recommending this week are just you know quite fun and interesting um dead mountaineers hotel is 
you know, quite slow going. Um, and I think it's basically one of those films where it, it infinitely improves on a second watch. Um, once you know what's actually going on, um, it makes a lot more sense. But um, I still recommend it, um, especially for those of you out there who who like the more obscure recommendations we do. I feel like I haven't done one of those for a while. So, um, yeah, Dead Mountaineers Hotel. Nice. Cool. We're done. We're done. Out of here. Extra features. Extra features. Extra features. I think we should keep saying extra features for 10 minutes because I don't have anything no, this time. No, I think time. we're not. We're out. We haven't got anything this time. Yeah, I but, um, you know... Uh, Maybe we will, actually, by the time this goes out, We've in which while. case, you know, insert an interview that I've done here and have a listen. However... That was great! <laughs> however, if I haven't, then we'll just let this run and we'll apologise and, you know, we'll have something for you next time. But uh, I'm very busy at the moment I'm editing my film. Yeah, very busy. Um, so it's... Uh, it's hard to find time for these extra features. It's a busy um, time. But, you know, you've had Ridley Scott from us. You've had Steven Spielberg from us. You've had Darren Aronofsky. There'll be another one coming soon. Um, so don't worry about that. Right, Dan. Hello. Hi. It's time for Dan's Corner. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. So we're going to do the competition. Yeah. Which we talked about last time, aren't we? Yes. So I think uh, for this prize we will offer the life cast of marlon brando that dick smith Whoa. did for the godfather holy smokes um and the posters <laughs> that you have to guess from my awful awful clues are as follows as before they are all italian posters mm -hmm. this time none of them are italian films mm -hmm. they are all by the same director oh this is fun um, so I'm not going to give you too many clues because mm. it's too easy to narrow it down. But what I will yeah. do is give you the years. Mm. Should I give you the years? I mean, let's make up our minds. Oh, I don't know. I'm, <laughs> now. No, I'm still figuring it out. I'm still, <laughs> still winging it. They are genre related, although he has gone away from the genre in other years. Mm -hmm. um, but they, you know what? I'm going to give you the decades. I'm not going to give you the years. Cool. Uh, and then if no one's got it, before the next podcast. Did this I director will... only do one film per decade? Uh, no. No, he didn't. I think maybe... And two of them are the same decade. <laughs> <laughs> Let's narrow it down a bit more. Let's find a different... Um... Uh, okay, so I'll, what I'll do is I'll give you a span of time. They were all done within a certain span of time. Okay, How's cool. that? Yeah, yeah, cool. So the, uh, the first film in the three... Uh, was done in 1968. Mm -hmm. And the third film of the three was done in 1973. Cool. And there's one in the middle. And there's one in the middle somewhere. Nice. Um, they're all favourites of mine. That's not helpful to anyone. No, not even me. <laughs> do, you, do you have any idea, Sam? No. No, no idea. Um, they're all, oh, they're lovely photographs. They're all paintings. Okay. None of them are, none of them are photobuster or photographs. I feel that maybe that's not enough. Maybe that's not enough. You know what? That's all you're getting on the podcast. But now we're going to talk about Twitter and I will do more clues on Twitter. Okay. And it is a cool prize. So, you know, it should be quite hard. And we do actually have an extra feature because competitions, technically, that, that works. That counts. Yeah. Extra feature for sure. So, oh, um, Sam has assured me that there are loads of rules and regulations that we're meant to follow with competitions. I don't know what they are. So all I'm going to do is say, I promise not to just randomly give it to a friend so that we've got a winner for next time. If no one gets it, no one gets the prize. Yes. Um, that is the rule. 
Yes, good, good. Right, so social media time. Dan, tell me why people should follow you on Twitter. Because I'm giving away Marlon Brando's... <laughs> face. <laughs> face. Yeah. Uh, which I have dug up. <laughs> uh, because I... I don't know, it's what you do, isn't it? Following people on Twitter. That's yeah, the thing. Yeah. Uh, because I need love and... Uh, <laughs> um, being told I'm okay, like everything's all right. Yeah. Comfort me on Twitter. Um, uh, at 13 Finger Effects, it'll be stuff about films that I've worked on that are coming out, pictures of my dog, and clues about the posters on my wall. So uh, I am at Sam Ashurst, S-A-M-A-S-H-U-R-S-T, on Twitter, and occasionally, um, as happened a month ago now, but for me in this timeline it just happened, um, I got a kind of quite cool scoop from Ryan Coogler, the director of Black Panther, and um, I tweeted about it, I tweeted a link to the video, and then um, I got a text from a friend later that day saying, holy hell, your um, scoop is everywhere. Googled it. It was on five pages of Google. Wow. So um, if you follow me on Twitter, occasionally you'll get to find out about stuff in films before anyone else. That's well, quite just, good, just isn't Google it? Just Google those films. Uh, no. Click on no. anything in the first five pages. <laughs> no. What I'm saying is... <laughs> They could have had it first. Oh, right. Okay. So what they need to do is follow you and put on no, notifications. I'm not talking about, notifications I'm not talking about that specific scoop. I'm well, talking well, all, about... All the scoops. All the scoops. All right. the scoops. Anyway. <laughs> now Dan has undermined me fully. No, uh, not I'd, undermined. I'd say we're probably even. Um, and I still love you, Dan. And I love every single person listening to this, except for you. <laughs> They know they know who they are. But that's what every single person listening to it just got a personal you. Oh, no, no, I don't mean you. I mean you. <laughs> oh, right, okay. That's... Yeah, not you. Definitely not you. You're I nice. love you. Yeah, yeah, you're the best. All right. Uh, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> <laughs> that went off the rails. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, pretty much from minute one. But um, guess what? We promise we'll be more professional next time. We'll give it a go. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.